Welcome to another edition of the Game Preview Podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Cynthia Freeland. Week 15, Lions-Jets at MetLife Stadium. This is a tough one for you, Cynthia. Hometown team, the New York Jets. Just emotionally, where are you at right now? I mean, this is an easy one for me. As a Lions fan, just because I was born there, you become a Lions fan. Barry Sanders isn't playing, right? Okay, we're fine. That's, <laughs> I'm, I, it's fine. It's, I look way better in green. But Hollywood is, that your, blue is wait, a good color on almost everyone. Is that your favorite player growing up, Barry Sanders? Oh, for sure. 100%. Oh, okay. Robert Sala just said the same thing probably like 30 minutes ago, actually. I mean, he's got, you know, his Michigan roots run deep too, so. Yeah. The Dearborn native. Where, where is Dearborn? And like, had you ever heard of Dearborn before yeah. Sala? Dearborn is a lot closer to Detroit than where I'm from. Like me <laughs> saying that, like, I'm, I mean, Detroit's like 90 miles away from East Lansing where I'm from. So Dearborn's mm. probably like 20 miles away from Detroit. So he's okay. actually like more of a Detroiter than me. I'm like, I'm like a mid Michigander, I think is what we are. Mid Michigander. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah. Uh, so did you grew up uh, East Lansing, Michigan state fan too, or what? Um, yeah, I was a little, it sounds weird, but I was pretty split between Michigan state and Michigan. Cause my dad went to Michigan and my okay. mom went to Michigan state. So, yep. and my dad that also been a, a New Yorker. Household. What's yeah. that? I said that must've been a fun household to grow up. in. I just saw a video on Instagram of a household that was divided between giants Eagles. I feel like that's kind of like, I mean, maybe not the same, but Michigan, yeah. Michigan state's like, that's a pretty big rivalry. Maybe not Michigan, Ohio state, but it's still pretty big right. anyway. Yeah. So, well, Tom Izzo, the Michigan State basketball coach for forever, was our neighbor growing up, and they were the nicest family oh, ever. That's so we awesome. kind of adopted, like, we always were cheering for Tom because why, why wouldn't you? But so, and my dad is more of like the, like, taught me more about football. My dad was the one who took me to football games. So I kind of got the best of both worlds because I got like Michigan for football and I got Michigan mm. State for basketball. And Michigan's good at football or at basketball too, rather. But, you know, with Tom, Tom is just like that kind of coach where you're like, these are a bunch of guys who are not like going to make it pro necessarily. And somehow he always ends up playing well in March. So it was, it was all positive for me. There are people who are definitely listening to this thinking you're a front runner because I'm you definitely got the not. Best of both worlds. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely listen, there's been some tough, tough seasons for Michigan State too. So it's it's just interesting. Same with Michigan football. It hasn't all been good. But you know, you try to find the silver lining there because you know, you grew up in Lions territory. Ain't nothing good. You can't have nice things if you I mean, <laughs> you just can't have nice things if you're a Lions fan. <laughs> My favorite thing is that Honolulu Blue is a great color name, but I think we've talked about this. Detroit, nothing like Honolulu. So, with that being said, let's just dive right into the first quarter here. The Detroit Lions and their Honolulu Blues. Mm-hmm. Maybe not this. It's going to come off like they're five and one in their Honolulu Blues. I don't know what their color coordination was in their last six games. Point being, the Lions are five and one in their mm-hmm. last six. From your perspective, what's just been their recipe for success? Why have they been so successful? Well, their defense has actually improved. Since the beginning of the season, the defense was like dead last in every category. I'm not going to say it's a good defense because it's not. I'll get to somewhere where it ranks in terms of, oh, you know, 30th in passing yards allowed, dead last in yards per play allowed. But they've been getting more pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and their offense has really kicked it up a notch this season. So it's like the defense ratcheted up just enough for the offense to be efficient and effective. And, of course, we saw in Hard Knocks all about that Deuce Staley love. If you're an Eagles fan, Deuce Staley used to be an Eagles guy, and now he came over. I'm saying this specifically for someone listening who I know, Matt Sitkoff. So, ultimately, you know, (laughs) Deuce Staley coming over (laughs) makes those running backs even more effective. Yeah. 
Yeah, Matt Sitkoff's definitely very excited in the back that you just dropped Deuce Staley and the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course. Anyway, Jared Goff. I feel like let's just let, let's talk about him a little bit right off the top. Yep. Last five games, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. However, his home and road splits very favorable to home. The weather forecast for Sunday. Let me pull it up. Ugh. Okay. That's what matters more. The home and road stuff. People need to be careful about home and road because it's really conditions. If he were going down to play in Miami, it wouldn't be much different. Well, I don't know the weather in Miami this weekend, but my point is, is if he were playing someplace with indoor favorable conditions again, or similar conditions, it's not like by virtue of the fact that like the, the city of Detroit has this magnet on him where he's only able to perform in Detroit, right? Like this is all, all about, this guy went to, to Cal Berkeley. He had really never played outside. Like you saw that the same dramatic splits in LA, like we have nice weather out here. So it was a little bit different. He does have his highest passer rating since that Super Bowl season with LA, but in part, a lot of that has to do with the run game and away games because his home road splits are terrible. But what, what is the weather going to be? Okay. Just in terms of the oh home road splits, my favorite stat is 22 touchdowns this year, only two on the road. Anyway, the mm-hmm. weather forecast for Sunday, Jets-Lions, is around kickoff, somewhere between 38 and 40 degrees, which you might say, oh, that's 39. Well, it could be as low as 38 or as high as 40, which is not a big discrepancy. But what, what makes you say Jared Goff? In golf. I almost said I almost called him Jared Golf. He seems like a pretty good golfer, by the way. He is a good but golfer. Jared I mean, Goff. What what's up with him in the cold weather? A lot of it has to do to me, it's very likely the type of thing about, you know, what you're used to. It's just like you and I taking reps. The more reps we take together, the better we are together. The more reps they don't practice outside. He's not outside a lot. This doesn't happen a lot for him. Like it's just, it's just not something he does a lot of. So, I, I mean, look, you, you've heard sometimes, you know, those Bill Belichick teams are like, they will practice in certain conditions to mimic whatever they're going to see. I don't, I just don't think that they do that very often. I've tried to ask people and everyone said, yeah, they don't do that. So it's less about like just not being in Detroit and more about the conditions. And honestly, he doesn't really have to. So it's a waste of time to try to like adjust everything just to adjust it back. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't hate it. It just doesn't make it for an easier situation. And also, Robert, I mean, look, it, the Jets' defense is also awesome. So this is like, yeah, no, just don't, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get your take on on this, what I'm about to say, because Robert Sala said that Jared Goff, because of his offensive line, like if you give him time, he's going to perform well. And totally. the, Lions, the Lions have allowed 19 sacks this year. That's the third fewest in the NFL. Known for their offensive line, I would say, who I was talking to, Bart Scott and Leger Duzable earlier this morning, they were like, this is top three unit in the NFL in terms of their O-line. But the Jets' D-line, the strength of the team, and they like to get after the quarterback. Obviously, Quinn Williams, we don't know his status. Calf injury, did not practice Wednesday. But what do you just? What are your thoughts on this matchup? Like, who has the advantage here? Because this seems to be the strength-on-strength matchup. It, it's kind of, like, impressive. I never thought it – like, usually – Lions fans, like, I mean, I remember, you know, watching Matthew Stafford look like a rag doll because the O-line was so terrible, but it is a good O-line. I mean, Panay Sewell caught a pass last week, which has nothing to do with how good he is as a offensive lineman, but it's just fun. They they seem like they're having a good time out there. They're running backs participating, chipping and blocking. They they take part. They're, they're 
you know, the grit that they talked about in Hard Knocks is real and it does bear kind of fruit. Like the fact that Jared Goff hasn't been under pressure is a real testament to how they've built the O-line. That being said, the defense has an immense advantage, not just because they're good at bring, bringing pressure. And of course, Quinn and Williams being there is a really big deal. But also remember, we talk about this every week, but it remains to be impressive. So we're going to talk about it again this week. They don't need to bring the house. They don't need to blitz. They can blitz, and it would probably work because Jared Goff isn't as great against the blitz as we've seen some of these other young quarterbacks be. But maybe is he even young anymore? Who knows? I don't know when you stop being young. But he's not. he does have some dramatic splits against that. But they don't even need to. So getting pressure, blanketing receivers, that's a much harder value proposition for even the best of quarterbacks. And in this case, and I'm not – this is no slight to Jared Goff because I, that's not how it rolls. But, like, he's not, like, top five, top ten in the league in any metric. He's just doing a really good job of executing the game plan. So if you're bringing a really nasty pass rush and you can't throw to the outside where Amon Ross St. Brown is just absolutely great, uh, it's going to be a longer day. The slot will be crowded. There will be some some nice trick plays to whichever receiver of the, you know, Josh Reynolds or whoever it is. But at the end of the day, you're taking away the two things that they've been relying on, right? So those shorter passes outside alignment, it's just not going to happen against the Jets. It's a lot harder to happen against the Jets. How about that? I'm not going to be mean. It's possible, just not very probable. <laughs> it's possible, it's not very probable. The Jets' defense, I know it was inclement weather in Buffalo, but the group played well against Josh Allen. And we we spoke last week about Josh Allen's numbers in Week 9 at MetLife, and those were all season lows. Well, then, last week, again, season low in terms of completion percentage or in terms of yards in a game. So, this season alone. So, I want let's talk about Mike White because Mike White's dealing with a rib injury, limited in Wednesday's practice. What did you see, aside from the toughness that he was able to come back from two brutal hits last week at Buffalo, what did you think of the way he played last week against what we described as like a step up in class from Chicago and Minnesota to a very good Buffalo Bills defense? Yeah, I mean, I think that the game plan for Mike White was really smart and executed really well. You weren't going to have a stat line. Like, okay, it'd be very improbable to have a stat line against the Bills that was like 475 yards and five touchdowns. Like, just a, like that's not a stat line that happens against this Bills secondary specifically. Also, it's interesting, like when Leslie Frazier throws out nothing but nickel, and truly, it was nothing but nickel interesting right like that's respect right there that's saying you need to blanket the receivers because this guy's going to be able to get to you he was and mike mike white was under more pressure last week about double what he'd been seeing it's a little over 40 percent. it's usually around 19 percent, and he still executed well so they were using the they were they were really relying on the fact that they're playing nickel the whole time and then they brought the pressure with four and then there were some holes in the defense and the jets were able to find some some good success against them what does it say about Mike White, like, in your opinion, for this matchup in particular? I mean, you alluded to it a little earlier. The, the Lions' defense is a little better, but statistically, the Lions are— They bad. And I, yeah, I wasn't going to say, like, you were, trying, you were trying to be nice earlier, so I'm trying to, like, repay the favor. They are statistically—this is just a fact—a top two or a bottom two, excuse me, defense in the NFL. You know what? In passing— they're bottom three. <laughs> they're a little notch up. No. Um, look, here's what here's the difference, right? The 30th in passing defense, woof. 32nd in yards per play allowed, woof. 
the, the interesting part is they've been forcing turnovers in game. So Aiden Hutchinson has been, Michigan product, has been ratcheting up his ability to earn pressure. Not like a lot, but enough, right? And he's been he's been making a case. I mean, this it's kind of low-key. This, this sounds stupid, but this, these two teams between Sauce and Aiden Hutchinson, these are some defensive player of the year front runners. Like, it, it truly is. Like, you know, you, you're seeing seven sacks from Aiden. Like, you're just, you're seeing all these things that you'd like to see, I guess, is fun defense for both sides. But it's still not a good defense. Like, this is not a good defense at all. And even with Jeff Okuda playing last week, and yes, the Lions did win, but I mean, Let's see. Justin Jefferson had and next gen stats, historical figures against man coverage, hmm, and against press. Hmm. 160 and 190 yards apiece in each configuration. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, no, that that's not great. That doesn't really bode well for the Lions. But if you're a Jets fan listening to this, which we assume you would be, considering this is a Jets no, game of course. podcast, yeah. you're probably like, Mike White's going like what? Cynthia, we're not betting people. We don't Who bet. Who bets? What does that mean? No, we work for the NFL. No. We, we, we don't bet. We work for the NFL. You work for the network. I work for a team What's in the What's the name NFL. of that studio you're in? Um, The New York Jets studio. No. Okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> it's the BetMGM studio. <laughs> but so, we don't bet. We just know what no, it is. No, we're we, we're we don't aware bet. of what it is. I, I, I've heard of a better two. I know people that like to bet on sports, specifically things that I think are called like over-unders. I don't know how they're, what happens there. Got it. But hypothetically speaking, you know, let's say BetMGM is putting out odds. I think that's what they call it for something like Mike White passing yards. Like what, what it's a real, you know what? I'll ask it this way. What's a reasonable stat line Sunday at four o'clock or so, knowing that the weather is going to be 40 degrees. I don't think rain's in the forecast. It's not supposed to be. So that would be a curveball. Knowing that Mike White threw for over 300 in the rain against Chicago at home and then in the perfect weather, also known as a dome, he threw for 369 yards. So what is a reasonable stat line or a realistic stat line for you for Mike White? So this is going to sound low, but let me get to why. I think it's going to be somewhere in the 270s or the 280s, not because he's going to have a bad day, but because I think that the run game will also be efficient and effective. I think the Lions are going to be forced to devote more resources to stopping the pass, which does what? It makes a light box for your guys on of a night. And that means that there's going to be a good opportunity for the run game too. It is smarter for any team to be more balanced between run and pass because then you keep the opposing offense, which the Lions' strength is their offense, off the field. So it's not that I think he's going to have like some bad, he's just not going to need 360 yards. You need to throw for, you don't have to, right? Like if you're doing it strategically, you're saying 260, two touchdowns, you know, that's going to be two, 270, two touchdowns. That's a primo day for the jets to get the W. It might not be the best fantasy day of your life, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to need it. Meaning I think whatever that Oh, over, over that you talk about, I think yeah. I would take the, the, the bam night situation for that instead. Right. Like as I, long as, cause I think yeah. that's going to be more like 80 something yards on the ground for him. Look, you did a great job dancing around the betting line. That was, that was well done execution. A one. And just to further your point, about 369 <laughs> passing yards, and that's probably not a good thing. Kirk Cousins against the Lions last week in a loss, 34-23, to 
threw for 425 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. Justin Jefferson had 223 receiving yards. The Lions lost by, or the Lions won by 11. The Vikings lost by 11. So take that for what it's worth. Right. That brings us to halftime, and I got something for you. You ready for this? <gasps> Ooh, uh huh. I got something for you. What is a Coney dog and why was it invented in Detroit or in Michigan when it's like it says this is what it says. Contrary to popular belief, Coney dog, also called the Coney Island hot dog, which is in New York, didn't start out on Coney Island, New York, which is also where the Fourth of July hot dog eating contest is. It was invented in Michigan and three businesses claim to be its original birthplace. American Coney Island in Detroit, Lafayette Coney Island in Detroit and Todorov's original Coney Island in Jackson. What's going on here? This feels like like Detroit was jealous of New York and decided to call something Coney Dog. There's a lot of New Yorkers that moved to Michigan. I don't know. Like, like I think like you know half the population of the University of Michigan is a New York, are New York residents. So perhaps it was a a settler from New York that feels very, I mean, I have, I've, I'm one of my, my dad's one of those, right. I'm the product of that. My dad's from Yonkers and he settled in East Lansing, Michigan. Cause yeah, that's what one does. But you know, I mean, maybe that's what happened. Also it's unsurprising that something that might not be the healthiest comes from Michigan. Mm. <laughs> so have you had a Coney dog? Of course I've had a Coney dog. Of oh, course. So, so, okay. So for those who don't know, can you explain what a Coney dog is? You need to give me the technical definition because I've had like four and they're all a little different. Okay, well, give us your favorite. I was just going to say the one that's like, the one that I've seen is just like a hot dog with ground beef, white onion, and yellow mustard. It's like a sloppy joe on top of it. Is it good? Do you like it? It's okay. It's, I mean, it's just okay. meat on meat, which is fine. I mean, it can go either way. Like the, the mustardy, it's, it's an interesting situation. It wouldn't <laughs> okay. be my first go-to. Okay, so context this is what i'm making this week for i can't for wait. the detroit can't meal so, so is that what you would have like is that the move there so my, my friend who went to michigan the university of michigan which fits what you were saying because he grew up he's in from new where york. new york got it yeah yeah <laughs> technically long island so long island he yeah. said he said another detroit thing you could make sanders bumpy cake i don't even know what that is i don't is. know what that is okay all right so we both say no we both veto so here's what here's where I would have gone. I thought a lot okay. about this last week. I would have gone. See, I'm not from Detroit. I'm from like mm. the other part of Michigan. And you know what Michigan's <laughs> really known for is cherries. So Michigan cherries, Ooh. Traverse City, Cherry Festival. It is so good. Like the cherries are really good there. So it's like outside okay. of Washington State, Michigan is like the second leading producer of cherries. They have like a cherry queen. It's a cherry pageant. There's a whole cherry situation going on. So I would have gone with a cherry pie. But I'm a little bit more of a sweet tooth person than you. And I also think that like, you know, cherry, like we also like rhubarb, stuff like that. And then if I would have okay. gone with savory, I actually, there's great Greek food in Michigan. The Greek, Greek town, Greek town casino where people do that thing that we don't know about. Like all of those things, you know, <laughs> if you go downtown, we, we, hockey is kind of what Michigan is better at, right? So, you yeah. know, even Chris Chelios, who is not a Black Hawk, he is a Red Wing, with, undisputed. That He has like a chili place. So I would have gone with an Olga's if you're ever there. It's like fast, casual Greek. So I would have gone with Greek, but that's just because I, I'm, I'm not as much of a hot dog person as I am. Like, I like the Greek influence a little bit more. 
Okay, multiple things here. Don't don't offend my sweet tooth like that. You you don't know my sweet tooth like that. You're a cookie guy. I have guy. dark chocolate. I have yeah. dark. You said I'm a cookie guy. Yeah, I'm a cookie guy. You're a cookie guy. I do guy. have dark chocolate. Yeah, I am. I am. Okay. All right. All right. I take it back. I take it back. I do like pie, just not cherry pie. Like blueberry peach pie, all time favorite pie. Nope. That's what we're blueberry talking about. Peach. That's a good combo. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, um, a, a reason why I was thinking. Well, a couple things. The kid that my friend Brian, who told me about the Coney Dog, who went to Michigan from New York, went to Michigan like everyone, like you said, he was like, "You got to make Coney Dogs, and you got to make them at my apartment, so oh, I can well, have." Oh, he just one. wanted a Coney Dog. Got it. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? Like, yeah, you got it. You want to film it? Like, we'll, we'll get after it. You, you get a Coney Dog. Um, I do have a couple ideas on how to make the video a little funnier, and that will be to be Ooh, determined. I'm excited. How, how, That's a good yeah, tease. I like that deep tease right there. All right, that was a great halftime. And if you need Greek food, make sure to go to Michigan. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's let's just dive right into the third quarter here. We've talked about Jared Goff. We've talked about Mike White a little bit. We talked about the Lions defense and Mike White. Let's talk about the running game for both of these teams because it feels like the Lions want to try to control the clock as much as they can. Jamal Williams leads the NFL with 14 rushing touchdowns, even though his rushing numbers are are not all that in a bag of chips. They are pretty good, though. And Detroit's O-line, pretty nasty. So let's start with them. Just what's your take on their brand of football on the ground? But I, I think you really just nailed it with all that in a bag of chips. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Sour cream and onion chips, if we're being exact, because Ooh, that is my favorite. I like yeah. it. Um, it. The interesting part here is that I, I understand that if you look at some of the splits, the, the Vikings look like they're better against the run. The Vikings haven't, they haven't, the Lions haven't faced a true run test in a couple of weeks. So that's going to shift the numbers a little bit. If our guy Sheldon Rankins has anything to say about it, it's not Shelly. going to be an easier day to run. This is not a great, this is a terrible team to run on. So the defense and the ability for the defense, and by the way, Quinn and Williams is maybe low key, he's underrated in run stopping. I don't know if we talk enough about his ability to stop the run because you think Quinn and Williams, you think like this giant human being coming after the the passer, but he's also good at stopping the run. So that would be a big loss or a big gain for the Lions, whatever. So it is a good O-line, but it's not, unfortunately, is there, it just, this defense overpowers it. And the run game is what is kind of part of the reason why you see those Jared Goff splits in the passing game is because the run game hasn't been working so well for them against these better defenses away. That's another part of it, right? It's like, who are you playing away as opposed to who are you playing at home? What about DeAndre Swift? What What's your take on this situation? Because in the beginning of the year, felt like he really started hot, deals with an injury. Then it's been the Jamal Williams show, it feels like, as of late. So... What do you think has been the why, the reasoning behind the change there? Obviously, Swift dealt with injury. You think that's as, as simple as that, and he's still not totally healthy, or Jamal Williams is just a hot hand? Well, I think that Jamal Williams has a real nose for the red area, and I think that the Jamal Williams red area plays that they have installed, they feel more comfortable with. That seems to be the, the prescription. DeAndre Swift has actually had – like increasingly gotten back folded into this offense in really important ways. And he's been, I mean, it's, it's, it's not been great for your fantasy team, but it's been great for the actual team because he's actually been getting those chunk yardage and, and increasing and improving every game since he's returned. But it's just, you just don't see it because it comes to the red area. And, you know, in fantasy, we'll say, hey, like he, you know, 
Jamal Williams vultures his touchdowns. Mm. So I think it's just more what they've been sort of practicing and installing. It has a lot more to do with their install than it has to do with, you know, the, it's, I don't think it's as much of an execution thing as it is. The, the red zone plays are Williams, and that's what they have been relying on through the swift injury. All right. I'm going to call an audible. We're moving into the fourth <clears throat> quarter. I, I was going to talk about the Jets run game, but this is going to be a great opportunity just to talk about the Jets rookies as a whole, including your guy, Zonovan Bam Knight, because he, again, performed very well at Buffalo. Undrafted rookie, NC State, starts weeks 13 and 14. The numbers are what they are. You have in your little note pack, 32 carries, 161 rushing yards, which is an average of 5.0. Last week, he gets his first career touchdown. Do you think that for the Jets right now to utilize Donovan Knight again this weekend is going to be like a big factor in how the offense, or let me rephrase that. If the Jets are able to run the ball, how much will that stymie the Lions offense in return? It's going to be, like I said, the balance between the run and the pass is really going to be on display. I, I would imagine that the goal is to have the balance of run and pass be on display. Now, if someone gets shut down and they have to switch, great. You have some, you have options there at the running back position. But it feels like with Knight, what they've found is that kind of light box special. When you saw his touchdown last week and you saw 67 of his yards, they came against the light box. So when teams devote extra resources to stopping, oh, other rookies, you know, that other one, he's good at catching passes. He's really good and on the outside, especially whatever. So when Garrett Wilson's being, you know, trying, they were trying to shut down Garrett Wilson and the rest of the pass catchers, it seems like they're like, well, we have this light box, <clears throat> use it. And that's exactly what I think the Lions will, that's the prescription. The Lions will devote more resources to stopping the pass and <laughs> give a light box. And then there we go. All right. Well, that leads us to Garrett Wilson, who again, another very impressive game. Garrett Wilson now jets in jets history. He has the rookie receiving record in terms of yards. He's four away from the receptions <clears throat> record. Wayne Krebet has that. So this week, if the lions like you imagine them to, will devote a little bit more to the pass, what does that mean for Garrett Wilson? Well, first of all, we also need to say that he has six games with at least 75 receiving yards this season, mm -hmm. and that's the most among rookies. And you know the other two guys in the past five seasons, there's only two other guys who have done this. Ready? You know who they are? Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Pretty good company, I would say. I appreciate and by the way, that's through 13 games. So that's a pretty that's a pretty impressive number. And just looking at the Lions, what they allow to wide receivers. Uh, 199.4 receiving yards per game to wideouts. That's second most in the NFL. And they've allowed four receivers to have at least 140 receiving yards in a game four times. That's four times. That's tied for the most in the NFL. Four times 140 yards. Mm -hmm. That's not great. So it's not that I don't think Garrett Wilson will have a great game. I just think they're going to have to try. They have to pick their poison, right? And it feels like that would be something that they would try to scheme for. Just, just seems like a good plan. But I, it clearly hasn't worked in other games, especially Justin Jefferson last week. We saw that. <laughs> Justin Jefferson went 200 plus. So 223. Yep. Yep. That's man. Yeah. Beating man. Yeah. Garrett Wilson has been really good at beating man. Just mm. saying. We're okay. Good. We're good here. All right. Well, last so I don't week, think it's a Garrett bad game, Wilson. but I don't think they're going to let him have 223. Not just because that's I think fair. they're going to look at that tape and be like, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do something about that. 
Right. It feels like it's a little more in focus, especially after letting up 223. But potentially, well, one, Corey Davis in the concussion protocol. If he plays, that's going to be a big plus for the Jets. And last week, Elijah Moore had six catches for 60 yards. He came on pretty strong. So that's yep. something to keep an eye on, especially we this talked week, about given that. the numbers. We talked yeah. about that. Yeah, we did. We did. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They, people who listen, they learn They learn a thing or two. You know what we didn't talk about, though? We need to talk a little bit about Sauce. We didn't get enough into Sauce. Because I, the one thing I want to talk about with Sauce last week was actually also about DJ Reed. How? Okay. So the number for Stephon Diggs, 337. Three catches, mm-hmm. 37 yards. Stephon Diggs is one of the top three receivers in the league. We have to, we have to hand it to him. And, so, between, and Sauce lined up against him only 33, one-third of snaps which means the other guys also did it two-thirds of the time. DJ Reed specifically did. When I'm looking at this team overall, the outside, the opportunity to throw the outside, you looked at where Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, the obviously the offensive coordinator for the Bills, where they were scheming, they threw to the slot 56% of the time. You know what that means? Respect. They put some respect on that outside situation name, right? So the two corners, so between the two, that is – Totally impressive, especially considering Josh Allen has the most touchdowns and the most yards to receivers aligned in the wide position, and you didn't even target them. Didn't even target them. He went slot. I think Cynthia just mic dropped on us. I think that's what you did. I I think that's just like, that's how we have to end the podcast because that was such, it was a really cool performance from Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, and this week, definitely a challenge in terms of Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams returning from injury as he gets worked into the offense. He did have a 41-yard touchdown last week against Element the Vikings. Element of surprise. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, DJ Shark as well, Josh Reynolds. Je- the Jets or the Lions have some decent receivers. Jets are going to have to match the challenge here or match it. But here's the thing, that the Jets are used to facing very good receiving cores like the Bills, like the Bengals earlier this year. Tyreek Hill was held to 40 yards. Like, the Jets have done a good job against receivers so far this year. This week, no different. And this is a big week for the Jets. Seven and six, two home games before two road games to wrap up the year. Obviously, right now on the outside looking in at the playoff spot. It's going to be a tight race, Cynthia, and we're here for it. We'll be back every week. Next week, we got a short week, so I hope you get your rest after the Lions game, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a good one.